Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Welcome back. It is your Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It is Ian Mendes with you, as always, in this seat. We're going to have kind of a blended show with our buddies from the Tuesday podcast, right? There's no rivalry anymore. Sean Gentili uh, with us. Uh, Haley Salvian is going to be by, but uh, as the time of the, at the time of this recording, Haley's actually uh, kind of covering the Jonathan Huberdo, Mackenzie Weger, introductory presser in Calgary. So she'll jump on here. We'll talk about, obviously, that seismic trade that went down late Friday night. Uh, the Hockey Canada story continues to have uh, different tentacles to it. We'll get to that. Uh, so a lot to get to on this Monday. But yeah, listen, Sean Gentilly joining me to kick this off on a Monday. I got to tell you, where were you Friday night at like, was it like 11 o'clock Eastern time when that trade broke? The Calgary, Florida? Somewhere, somewhere in that neighborhood, right? I was on the couch. Can you believe that? Yeah, shocking. I was. I was, I was I, honestly. I I think for my own sake and for the sake of the copy that I had to produce that night. I think everyone was lucky that I wasn't somewhere else. It was a. It's a Friday night. It was. It was the summer. Like I'm. I'm. It's a miracle I wasn't at a bar somewhere or or, or whatever. So that the timing. The timing worked out well. Yeah. Hey, speaking of good timing, I think I I, I teed up the fact that Haley was going to join us later in the show. And it uh, turns out Haley's here to kick off the show. So this is oh, great. Th- this is great. Uh, and we're going to talk that because obviously Haley has been uh, front and center to, uh, with this story involving the Calgary Flames. But, you know, as we bring her in here, uh, Sean, I think we need to talk about this is Haley's birthday week. Mm-hmm. And she's been very clear uh, to those of us at The Athletic, this is, this is her birthday week. And first of all, what's your take on people that don't just celebrate a birthday? They have a birthday week. Birthday weeks are rough. You, you know what I heard? I heard someone use the term birthday month not long ago, which is birthday month insane. That's that's one that's one twelfth of the year that you spend forcing people to you know take you out take you out for dinner or whatever. Birthday week is understandable, but it's like Christmas creep or whatever. Like when you start seeing Christmas Christmas stuff in stores in like October now. I think that's what's happening with with birthdays. And I blame, I personally, as an, as a, as an old millennial, I blame the zoomers for all of this. Yeah. Like the birthday, like, yeah. 
also on the same par as right, birthday. No, right, hold, hold on a second. If you're yeah. if you're older than 21, you gotta cut. You gotta cut it. Out. Yeah, that's what. We, what's that's the it. the age cut? I was thinking 12. Once you turn like 12 years old, maybe maybe pump the brakes on the big birthday parties. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I could I could be with you. I, think- I can understand the big one. You know, you you learn you learn to drive. You turn 18, so you can you know in in, Can- in Canada you can drink. In the United States, you can join the army. Uh, tw- 21, you get to go to bars, 25, you get cheaper rates on rental cars. Like I understand the, I understand the big ones after that. It's like you get a day. Yeah. I, oh, and, people and, celebrate- and, here, and here she is, by the way, yeah. Jessica. Yeah, but here she is. Made her, bir- her birthday <laughs> is this week. Thing on? Yeah. Huh? Did you birthday uh, week. That's going to sound really horrible on the other end. Me tapping the microphone, but I thought hey, that sounded hey, great how much of that effect. How much of that did you hear? Were you? I've been here the whole time. I've just you been trying to. All. Get yeah. my recording to work. Um, yeah, I don't really have a comment. But anyways, uh, it, you know what? Birthday <laughs> weeks. Birthday weeks last until you're 28. You get a birthday week when you're 28. But then after, good thing after, I after turned that, just turned 25. I'm a <laughs> young uh-huh. phenom. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Birthday week. Hey, by the way, Haley. So your birthday week, your birthday falls on a Tuesday. Do you okay. celebrate? Do you have the parties and stuff the weekend before or the weekend after? I mean, I'm not like a big, I've never been a big birthday party person to begin with, but my mom's birthday is actually on the 31st. So usually we will just do like a family dinner or we'll have a barbecue or something on that weekend. Cause usually my birthday is during the week and my mom's on the weekend. And then we'll just do something together. My mom and I, my dad, my grandpa will come up. You got we'll the biggest, you got the biggest gift of all. I think the off season what? actually. I think the Flames off season actually started. It's over. Oh, yeah, Matthew Kachuk got traded. Happy birthday, I'm convinced. Haley. Well, you know, I don't. I don't want to, you know, sh- you know, brag about how powerful I am in this market. But I tweeted that my vacation was supposed to start, and two hours later, Matthew Kachuk got traded. So I don't know if it was Bradtree Living or Matthew himself who saw that and said, you know what, let's get this over the finish line. It was Bill Zito. Bill Zito, yes, he's got a burner account. Yeah, and yeah. He's, Bill uh, Zito is actually a huge him. fan. Yeah, he loves it's Zito. why he knew Matthew Kachuk was so good and worth nine point five million dollars because he's a loyal subscriber. Bill Zito heard that Haley's birthday was coming up, or that or the, or that she was going to start a vacation, and immediately rejected that completely bogus offer from the St. Louis Blues. Which was Terrace oh, Brad Terrace, Tree Terrace, Living? Ter- you mean not Bill Zito? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Or he 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 he, he bested <laughs> it. Haley would not like this. He bested it. <laughs> he, he was like, he, she needs the we we gotta we gotta yeah. do something about this vacation. I need to find a way to put together an offer that's better than Tarasenko and Marcos Cantel in a pick and a first round pick. And I'm pretty yeah. sure it was lottery protected also, which is hilarious. Joke. <laughs> Joke. Oh man. But yeah, what a week. I feel. I feel ready to relax. Yeah, good well, timing for what vacation. a way to kick off kick off your vacation by joining the uh, the pod. Yeah, uh, this is super relaxing. And and this is Monday that we're recording this. You just got off, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, introductory kind of press conference media availability for Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto. So hey, mm-hmm. give us some give give us some quick hits from that. Any any highlights out of that uh, availability? Um, you know what? I think that, and you know, I don't know if anybody read the story this morning, but I think they kind of would confirm some of the things that people I spoke to around them told me, um, you know, that they had, you know, it was a shock, you know, it was 11 o'clock on a Friday night, they get a call from Bill Zito 
Um, and it's like, well, what the hell just happened? So I think both of them were, were pretty shocked by what happened. Um, one thing that I had kind of heard, you know, there was some preliminary discussions with Zito at the draft with both of their agents, um, you know, about extensions, their future in Florida. And it, and it seemed clear in those conversations that they, the Panthers were going to be able to sign both of them. Um, and I think once Matthew Kachuk was, you know, became available to the Florida Panthers, the landscape changed completely. And it was like, if I can't get, and again, this wasn't from the introductory press conference. This is just some of the stuff that I gathered before this press conference. So sorry for the weird roadmap here. Jonathan Huberto did not say all of this. Um, but like that landscape kind of changed and it was like, okay, well, if I can't get, I can only get one of these guys, well, maybe I'll just go and get this one who's younger and I can probably get cheaper 9.5 on an eight year deal. So the landscape changed pretty quickly, I think for the Panthers. So that's kind of how you had this like huge shock for Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, who, you know, their, their agents were having conversations about keeping those guys in Florida or, or how they could keep them those preliminary discussions. So that was one of the first things was just, you know, how surprised they were by what happened. It was a shock. It's, you know, the the only team those guys have ever played in the NHL, they were both drafted by the Panthers. Huberto's a top three pick. Um, so I think it was, you know, upsetting for them. But throughout the weekend, they start getting texts and calls from whoever, Sean Monahan, Elias Lindholm, Michael Backlund, Chris Tanev, Jacob Marks, from guys on the team. Um, they start talking to guys on the team. They talk to Bradshaw Living. They talk to their agents. You know, they kind of let it all sink in through the weekend. And now they're, you know, they're just excited to be somewhere where they're really wanted. The Flames made the trade to bring them in for a, a huge player. So I think they feel wanted. I think they're, you know, one of the great quotes from that was Mackenzie Weger being like, you know, this isn't a rebuild. You don't bring Johnny and I, this is the new Johnny Hockey in Calgary, mm-hmm. I guess. You don't bring Johnny and I in to rebuild. We're here to win. And we're very excited to start winning with this team. So I think that was a big one. Um, it's really early and, you know, they were just, look, I, I don't, I think it's great that they said this, but I don't think you can really read too much into that. They said, you know, we're open to staying in Calgary. They haven't even stepped foot in Calgary yet. You know, I think there have been some talks that have, you know, preliminary talks with, um, tree living and the agents that have begun. Um, but again, that was one of the things that I, I wrote this morning before this press conference is, you know, with Weger specifically, he's, you know, very open to exploring a long-term extension in Calgary. And both of them are very excited to play back in Canada. It's something they never thought they'd, they'd do. You know, they thought they were going to be in Florida forever. Um, and now they're really excited to be in, in Canada. I think they're both, you know, both of these guys have seen the uh, Daryl Sutter clips on <laughs> social media and on TV. And so they're like, you see it from the outside, but like, you know, we're excited to play for him. You know, he's the coach of the year. Um, you know, I think Mackenzie Weger specifically is going to fit really well into Daryl's system. He's such an elite defenseman, um, especially in transition, which is, you know, something that the Flames really needed last summer in the last summer, Jesus, last season in the playoffs. So he's going to fit perfectly. And I think the best quote, it was my question. I asked Jonathan <laughs> wow, Huberto. Can't, can't believe it. I'm playing the hits here, guys. I asked Jonathan Huberto, you know, you're, you're going to have the opportunity to play with Elias Lindholm, who not just scored 40 goals, but was a Selkie finalist last season. Like, what do you think of the the potential to do that if that's the way that the lineup shakes out? And he just kind of like smirked and said, well, I hope he scores 50 with me. I and I think that I, just, I, I it's think just like, the, ooh. The, the, the Uberdo, the Uberdo, 
Lindholm thing is the most interesting Ugh. part. And what if about you put like Toffoli on that other wing too? Like the Flames now have an opportunity to continue to have an incredibly like talented, talented goal scoring yeah. first line. Like, you know, because I mean, Huberto is one of the best passes in the game. I think there's a really interesting debate here if you just take Jonathan Huberto, Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau, who's going to have the best season ne- next year? I, I think it's going to be Jonathan Huberto. Well, I mean, okay. So the the way it worked in Florida was when they needed when they needed forwards to get kick started, at least from a point production standpoint, because we know that Huberto is not a perfect defensive player and his five on five impacts aren't great, whatever. But when they needed to get guys started, they would play him with him. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't play. They wouldn't play him with Barkov. So Huberto is the Look guy. Look at who, Sam Bennett. <laughs> Sorry to cut Sam, you off. Sam but. Bennett, Anthony <laughs> Anthony Duclair, Carter Verhage was was on that line. Like there have been guys who've played with Huberto and watched their production you know, skyrocket mm-hmm. this, the, the, the flip, the flip side of that. And with the, I think the biggest reason I think that this is going to be a big, a big boon for Uberdo is that he didn't play with Barkov all that much. So for, you know, for as limited as it seems like he might be defensively and for as bad as the numbers are, it always comes with the asterisk that that guy was not playing with the super elite two way center on mm-hmm. that team. And that mm-hmm. is going to be different now. He's going to play yeah. with Elias Lindholm, who, yeah, maybe Elias Lindholm does score 50 goals because he's got the shot and he's got the release mm-hmm. and all that. The flip side might be that Elias Lindholm's defensive capabilities, like he's ha- going to be hands down the best defensive linemate that Jonathan Huberto ever had. So maybe yeah. he frees him up to have an actual MVP caliber season. That's that's the dream, right? Is that Huberto's not like... He's not on the peripheral. He's not like he doesn't have this asterisk next to him because it's like he gets caved in at times at five on five and, and and whatever. Like the 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 complete season that people have been looking for it seems like it honestly could be on the way with with him. And like we just have to look at Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau last season and and the things that they said. You know, the the best the reason why Johnny Gaudreau was such a good defensive forward last season was because he was never in the defensive zone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's part of the Daryl Sutter system. You know, look, Johnny did did a lot of things well to improve his two-way game. I think that was the most complete version of Johnny Gaudreau that we saw. But, you know, even Matthew Kachuk was saying, like, it's really easy to play defense when we're just cooking in the offensive zone the whole time. And it's really easy to play defense when Elias Lindholm's back there doing everything to free us up to just cook in the offensive zone. And I think it's a really good point, Sean. Like, Huberto is going to just get to hang out mm-hmm. in other team zones with Elias Lindholm <laughs> and either a new forward the Flames acquire because they need to get one more or Tyler Toffoli who hasn't he is the most naturally gifted goal scorer on the Calgary Flames and last season they had a real issue trying to find him line mates to just get him the puck we saw it in Montreal when when players are threading like quote unquote high danger passes or slot passes to Tyler Toffoli, he is one of the best in the league at scoring on those opportunities because he is a naturally gifted goal scorer. And just the thought of Huberto threading passes to Tyler Toffoli or Elias Lindholm next season is something to be really excited about. Again, like they have a lot more to do, but I just think it's really interesting. Again, I I think and maybe this should have been a multiple choice madness question, but I think like what? Which one is going to have the best season next year? Is it Huberto, Kachuk, or Gaudreau? And I kind of think it's it's Huberto. Hey, let's do that right now. Let's do that as a multiple choice question because I I do think it's great because Gaudreau is going to go to Columbus and he's going to have an opportunity to be the guy. 
Mm-hmm. Kachuk is going to go to Florida and, and join as we talked about a very talented lineup, but man, it's a great, it's a great debate amongst those three players because I think each of them was coming off a hundred point season last year. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's an argument to be made that, you know, all of them could be a hundred point guys. Again, I think mm-hmm. I agree with you, Haley. I think it might be Jonathan Huberto that ends up um, w- with the most points amongst those three players next season. Cause he's going to have a, He's going to have a great opportunity to go to Calgary and he's going to be super motivated as a pending UFA, right? Mm-hmm. Like super motivated. And who's, who's been underpaid? I, who's been underpaid for the last few years, by the way? Like yeah. John, he Jonathan, only makes Jonathan, like five been point, at 5'9". Yeah. I was talking to my dad about this yesterday. I was like talking to him about everything. He's like, that's all that Jonathan Huberto makes. Like he was, he was like, that is unbelievable. That's what, so. happens, what happens when you sign long-term deals when you're, you know, 23 or whatever it is. That's, yeah, that's Nate McKinnon the is the, the, game. The, the same. Oh, my God. Same type yeah. of thing, right? By the way, last three seasons, okay? Last three seasons, here's the point totals for those three guys. Jonathan mm-hmm. Huberto, 254. Johnny Goudreau, 222. Matthew Kachuk, 208. So, Huberto has the most points amongst those three players, Uh by a fairly healthy margin, too. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. Hubert. I think Huberto is. Now we can get we can get into specifics and split hairs in terms of like what does the quote unquote best season look like, right? But I think in terms of points, I can't. I'm. I wouldn't put money on either of those other guys. That's for sure. Because it's because Huberto, like you said, Ian, you just gave the numbers. Like he's got he's got the track record, and he's got the line mates still. And we don't know. Nec- I mean. I think it's safe to say that whoever Johnny Gaudreau ends up playing with is not going to be on par with Elias Lindholm or. or you Tyler don't think Duff. Patrick Laine is on that tier? Oh, I, I think he. I think he could be, but in spurts throughout the season, in spurts <laughs> for eighty-two not, games, not not over, not not in, in, a, in over the course of a seven-month season. Mm-hmm. And who's this, who's the center going to be? Did Johnny is Johnny Gaudreau, is Johnny gonna, is, is Johnny Gaudreau going to put up one hundred and fifteen points? Playing with Boone Jenner or Cole Sillinger or or, or one of those guys, it's, it's not to knock those players, especially Sillinger, who had a really good year as an eighteen-year-old rookie. Like Boone Jenner is fine. fine. But he's not Elias Lindholm. He's not Elias Lindholm. So I think smart money has to be on Huberto putting up the points. Now, in terms of you know across the board numbers, I guess that's that's where you know maybe you wait and see. And by the end of it, we're saying maybe one of those other guys, one of the other two had. Had a quote unquote better season, but points, man, it's Uberdo in, 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 in a in a walk. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know what? I I gotta ask both of you this question because I think a lot of us figured Brad Treliving was in a tough spot. Oh. Like, like there's no way he's gonna hit a home run out of this. And it's the classic. Okay, you're getting four. If somebody told you you're getting four pieces back for Matthew Kachuk, you would think it's the classic. You trade a dollar and get four quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I, I know both of you, yeah, you know, I've weighed in on trade grades and whatnot. Like, I mean, how much credit do we have to give Brad Treliving here for coming, pulling this rabbit out of his hat? I think the wildest part of all of this, uh, uh, of the way stuff went down on Friday night, is it theoretically or intellectually or whatever you want to say, we knew that Florida was, could have, could have been a landing spot because it, it, it ticked a bunch of boxes for Matthew Kachuk, right? It's, it, it's an American market. Everybody loves playing in Florida because there's no state income tax, which can save, which can save you a million dollars over the course of, you know, a, a, a year basically. If it, if you're if you're Matthew Kachuk, you know, big market seems like he'd like South Florida. Blah blah blah. Like there there were reasons to believe that Matthew Kachuk, if you know, if he had his way, if if he took out the cap, if he took out all those other other factors, that 
South Florida would would, would be a potential destination. And, and we, we also reported that it was a potential. Yes, absolutely. It was, and yeah. you and, and you and you and Jeremy Rutherford reported that 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 they're that they're on the short list. Now, for me, when you're going through that sort of stuff and going through the reporting that you guys did, and you're trying to find out how to get Matthew Kachuk to all these various destinations, right? How, okay, he he would like to go to Florida. How do we get him to Florida? It was a tough. It was a it was a tough it was a we tough did puzzle this to put exercise together. right Absolutely. we we left Florida off that uh-huh. we did the seven trade <laughs> destinations and we're like well how do we make that work who are they gonna get even like, still even still we're gonna trade them for when we're going through that we knew on, on some level and because this was a thing in Montreal like at the draft that like maybe the, is Florida gonna trade Mackenzie Weger are they gonna be able to pay him their cap situation was a disaster at that point couldn't buy out Hornquist couldn't move him all all that stuff. So you knew these pieces of it, right? Where you knew that Huberdeau was was a UFA, and you knew that Uyghur seemed like he could potentially be a trade casualty, and you knew that Matthew Kachuk like wouldn't certainly wouldn't have minded landing in South Florida, and even still, it was that much of a shock on Friday night for for that to happen. And I think that speaks to Ian, like you said, like how how good a job True Living did. This is this was not a four quarters for a dollar deal. You know, it may, ma- yes, maybe Matthew Kachuk is the best player going back, but man, that was, uh, given the circumstances, I don't think you can do anything other than give him major, major props for it. Yeah, I think it was a, I think Tree Living got himself a win. Um, I think that if it was just Mackenzie, we- if it was just one year of Mackenzie Weger plus a prospect plus a pick, then you're like, mm. I don't know, but it's Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto and a first round pick and a prospect whom Weger and Huberto spoke pretty highly of. I think uh, this guy sounds like he'll he'll be, you know, a really good. He's an NHL player in the bottom six year lineup. He's a big center. He can PK. He's not a flashy going to be your top top line guy, but you need players like that, too. And you flesh Um, you flesh this out in your piece a little a little bit this morning, like. It's worth the risk, and even if you know if it's six months from now or whatever, and, and you're in you in your Brad Tree living, and you have the sense that Huberto and, and Weger are going to walk, or it's not going to work, or they don't want to be there, you flip them at the deadline, you move them for other assets if it, if if you have to. So yeah, right. I, I don't know. I, I loved I, I loved everything about it for for Calgary. Mm-hmm. I think I think the the real test, and I put this in my story, the real test of this deal is going to be. Does this open their window of contention for three years plus? Mm-hmm. You know, I think one year of Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto is great. I think the Flames needed a win. I think the fans needed a win. Weger even said, he's like, you know, somebody asked him about, uh, you know, Bradtree Living said that, you know, people have been taking body shots at Calgary and, and it's been a really hard time, et cetera. Um, and, you know, Weger said, hopefully we can come in and, and win and be a playoff contender and we can limit some of those blows that the city and, and fans have been taking. So I think these guys, you know, I think because I think the problem with saying they're going to flip them at the deadline is the Pacific Division is not going to be good. The Western Conference is probably not going to be all that good. I think it's going to be the same five, six teams jostling at the top, trying to compete with Colorado and with and if Weger and Huberto work the way we think they are, I think the Flames are going to be competitive, especially if they go out and get one more piece. So the issue is, is Calgary just going to be in the same spot with Johnny Gaudreau where they said, okay, well, we don't have him signed. We think they want to sign, but we're really good. We can't do this. And that's the fear, if you're a fan, that yeah. it's going to be Groundhog Day. I think there's so many ways yeah. that this could potentially go wrong. I do think this is a win. I think this is a really positive step. 
Um, I think it's good that they're already having discussions about long-term extensions. The Flames have so much cap space next offseason and no other big players assign. The only two guys who need extensions next summer are Yusuf Alamaki, who has not cracked into the NHL yet, and Connor Mackey, who is a third-pair defenseman. And and then they have $36 million. So Brad Tree Living needs to go to these guys early, like this offseason, and, and sign them to long-term deals with the massive amount of cap space that they have. And then he needs to go and get another piece to contend. I think that's the test of this deal. Because if it's next July and Huberto and Uyghur are gone and you've only gotten a couple things, well, okay, fine. Like you got a couple assets in return. But if, if this doesn't kick the window open for more than just one year, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter because then you're just right back to, to where you would have been. I think it's great. It's a win. It's a, it's a home run for Bradtree Living right now. But it's something that we're going to have to reassess next summer when we see what the Calgary Flames look like. It's like a home run, but there's like a video review. Like, I don't know. Might, might <laughs> like, we'll have a review, might like a, a really ball. late one, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. like an hour later. Them. It's like, wait, you know, it's whatever, VAR um, and soccer. Did it hit, just did it, did it, did it hit off, the know? paint? Did it hit the yellow paint at the top of the wall? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be something that, you know, it's that, what was it, a nine-minute review in a Panthers game, wasn't it? It's that nine-minute review yeah. <laughs> that pisses everyone off. And you're like, hello, can we get going here? I think this is I think it's a great move. I think Tree Living pulled a rabbit out of a hat when everyone like look at some of the trade proposals Sean and I were getting on Twitter. They were horrific and everyone yeah. was like, "Well, he has no leverage. He has no leverage." It's like, "Sure, but this is still Matthew Kachuk we're talking about." And you look at St. Louis's deal, I think I just think that this was just such a win because of what we were all preparing ourselves to assume they were going to get back, which was you know, one of the things that we were saying, you know, if, if you can get Jordan Cairo, a, a first round pick and, you know, maybe Jake Neighbors or Zach, Zachary uh, Bulldog or like you, you get Cairo, a pick and a prospect and you're good. You're fine. Nobody assumed that they were getting two elite players in return. Nobody. I, I mean, I think there was some some guy on a YouTube channel that said that this was going to happen, and I would love to talk to this man. I don't know how he did it. I think there was some dude. I saw a video. This guy predicted it. When what was the po- when was yeah, the when was it posted? I don't know. I don't remember. But somebody posted being like, like, holy shit! This guy basically said this was going to happen, um, and I was just like, who is this man? And what powers do you have? Florida Panthers insider. Can you give me some lottery numbers. <laughs> no, it wasn't an insider. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it was. I just saw it on Twitter and was like, holy crap. Let me ask you this. I got another surprise multiple choice question for you, Haley. And actually for both of you. You tell me. Haley probably has a better better read on this than the two of us. But I'm curious to hear what your answer is. Who gets booed louder when they return to Calgary next season? Johnny Gaudreau or Matthew Kachuk? Johnny. God, I think it's Johnny because of the way he did it. I think just read between the lines of everything that like Tree Living and Matthew, even like, yeah, even Matthew said like, like he made Tree, a point. He made a point Tree, to say all this. Stuff. Tree Living thanked Matthew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, we were put in a really difficult situation, but I want to thank Matthew Kachuk for being open and honest with us through this whole situation because <laughs> that's should've... what he did. And look, anybody, and this is the thing: all you had to do that we knew this was happening for years, and this was the thing that bothered me this season is I kept trying. Um, I'm like the whatever the sky is falling chicken or whatever like chicken Matthew could <laughs> the sky is that, that, little that's chicken actually dude. no no that's actually that, his, his full name is the sky is falling chicken his friend, <laughs> his friend's calm his friend's stupid. calm chicken little 
whatever, that little chicken man who's yelling that the sky is falling. Like, Matthew Kachuk's agency, like in Newport Sports, like they are all about giving the best leverage, the most control, the most flexibility and money possible to their clients. You know, we saw this even with Brady. We saw this with Mark Stone, Ian. Josh Norris just signed a big ticket. They they hit every time. And Matthew's three-year bridge deal was a tour de force in leverage and power for your player. Like they signed a three-year deal with the base salary being $9 million in year three, which would guarantee that when Matthew Kachuk turns 25 years old, he can either cash in a massive ticket or say, I'm out of here. I'm going where I want. It was specifically engineered to give him this control. I think everybody who was paying attention knew that. And Matthew, once he got to the end of this point, he said it to JR, Jeremy Rutherford. You know, he Matthew even said, I signed that deal for a reason. And then when the summer came, I sat down and thought about it. And I told Brad right when I knew that I wanted something different. You know, like he at least went to Brad Tree Living and said, yeah, I need something new. And he, it was a really hard choice. He didn't, you know, but he told him early and he, Matthew could have said, trade me to St. Louis. I want to go home. But he said, I will give you a list instead. Instead of just saying, I'm going here, trade me. And then the Flames would have been in a terrible situation where they're getting Tarasenko, Scandell, and a first round pick. You know, I think Matthew <laughs> Scandell is easily terrible. the funniest. Like, it's easily the take funniest. one year of them. Tarasenko, who wanted out last year. I think he rescinded that request and he had a great season last year. But it's like, take one year of Tarasenko, a lottery protected pick, and a cap dump. I don't know if I take that. I don't know if I take that for free. Given the given the cap stuff, I can't tell. But anyways, let alone, let alone right. my whole roundabout <laughs> thing here is that I think like Matthew was transparent about the process and what he wanted early, and they worked together to get the best deal for Matthew and the best deal for Brad Tree Living in the Flames. And I think that you know the way he handled that put the Flames in a better situation. Look, I I heard that this was a really hard choice for Johnny Gaudreau. I think he he agonized over what to do. I think he I don't think Johnny had his mind made early in the offseason and lied, but I do think that if, you know, we read some of the quotes from Johnny's press conference in Columbus saying that right when Columbus came came into play, I said that's where we want to be. Like if Johnny was at the point of doing that much due diligence on the Columbus Blue Jackets in the offseason that he knew right away that he wanted to sign there, I think if he was doing that much, he probably could have told the Flames, hey, I think I want to sign somewhere else. Or he wasn't telling the truth about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Right. Place. And I think for if you're Broadtree Living, like what was he supposed to do? Assume that Johnny was lying and say like, never mind, we're going to just move on? He said, he's like, we believed – that there was a very good chance from last summer to now that Johnny was going to stay. And then he didn't. Like, they thought they were negotiating in good faith. If if Brad didn't think they were doing that, he would have just moved on. So anyways, I think – I don't think either of them get booed, but if someone's going to get booed worse, it's probably going to be Johnny. Yeah. Um, I talk a lot. Sorry l- about that. L- listen, I, I do Sean's think that – Sean's telling me to wrap um, up. Was I enough, rambling? Enough. Yeah. Haley rambling? No, never. Um, (laughs) Shots um, fired. Shots fired. Hey, I do want to talk about. No, wait. What's what's really important is we just keep the structure here, baby. Let's have let's have A, B, and C blocks. Let's get moving. Come on. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. 
even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. I do want to get to, um, I think, what is arguably the biggest story in hockey right now. It's a, it's an uncomfortable topic, but one that I think needs to be addressed. And I should point out that as we're recording this, Hockey Canada has just released uh, what they're calling an action plan to, quote, shatter the code, code of silence and eliminate toxic behavior in and around Canada's game. They have come up with a comprehensive plan that they say will have a tracking and reporting system for all complaints of maltreatment, abuse, or harassment. Uh, they're going to, they're vowing to publish these annually in a public forum to hold Hockey Canada accountable. They're demanding that they're, we're going to see an increased uh, training for players, coaches, employees, and volunteers with an additional focus on masculinity, consent, and toxic behaviors, uh, and to drive a culture in hockey that encourages all participants to speak up. These are some of the things that they're uh, bringing up. And um, I just simply think that this is a horrific story that um, is not going to be solved with a, uh, a press release. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people are waiting for some action here and not words. Um, I think we need to tip our hat to uh, TSN's request head for once again uh, being a leader in this uh, story and uh, uncovering more horrific acts that alleged, uh, allegedly occurred in 2003. Uh, but I am very curious what the two of you think this week is going to hold because we've got more hearings with Parliament in Canada, which I'm going to attend on behalf of the Athletic here mm-hmm. in Ottawa. We've got, obviously, this stuff brewing here with Hockey Canada saying uh, we're going to be taking actions. Like, I'd like to see a full house cleaning here and a complete tear it down to the the studs, but I mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect, but I'm I'm just curious what what, if anything, the two of you think will come well, in the week uh, in the week ahead. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come in the week to week ahead. I just I just listen to what you're saying and I flip through this and it's just like why <laughs> It's so reactionary. It it shouldn't take a horrific <laughs> you know set of circumstances for this to be important to governing bodies in this sport and just in life in general. It should not take investigations like this and scenarios like this to say we are going to commit to not allowing this to happen. This should not happen. And you should have had a commitment to make it not happen years ago. Like this, 
Like, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that Hockey Canada is going to do something. Perfect. Like, at least you're doing it now. No, no. Like, that just feels gross to say in, at, at all. Like, this, this is reactionary. Glad you're, you're doing this, but it, it should have happened sooner. Like, there should have been a commitment to not let this happen way before. I know that these statements are worded <clears throat> very carefully and they're worded in such a way to not open organizations like Hockey Canada up to further litigation and whatever. Like this is run through legal and it's run through PR and the wording on Ian, the, the, the statement that you just read, it's tortured in spots, right? Because there's just so many different levels where you have to filter it through. But this is the, we've seen this from them a couple times over, over the last few weeks where it's like, yes, the, the uh, culture of silence in, in, in hockey needs to end as if they had nothing to do with creating it in the first place. That is the craziest part of this. Yeah. Where it's like, we're like, yeah, this. Yeah. Like, boy, boy, this really sucks. I wish there was something we could have done about this beforehand. And and uh, we're definitely not the major propagator of it. Like this, like, what? Huh? huh? If they wanted, and, and I think Haley, you, you saying it's reactionary is, is that's, <laughs> That's as good as good a word as any as you as as you can choose. There's also just a there's a lack of um there's a lack of of responsibility being taken, and I think there's a level of delusion in these kind of statements that goes beyond just just insulating yourself legally and insulating yourself from a from a, from a PR standpoint. Like they are responsible for creating this. It's not just something that they're fixing and preventing out of the goodness of their hearts. It's not something they're investing in, in, in that they're interested in stopping, and they're coming in as a third party right. who's who's trying to help end this. They created it. The silence of the, the the culture of silence in hockey and the toxic masculinity that that's on display, and all these all these horrible horrible, you know, it, it, this endless stream of examples. Because God knows there's going to be more. It's their fault. They're responsible for it. So congratulations on on trying to combat a problem that you created. That's basically what they're saying here. And I hate to fall back on like the guy in the hot dog suit meme. Like there's no way to like who who did this? Right. There's there's, there, there's we're all trying to find the guy who did this. That is Hockey Canada. That's what they're saying. We're all trying to find the the people who created this this uh this culture of silence and this culture of misogyny and and, and all this. Like it's them. It's not just them, but but it's it's them in a, in a major major part. So I hear these statements. The big one, like the big one that Ian that that you read, is gross. The stuff we heard last week is gross. There's a total lack of, you know, a lack of uh, a, a lack of perspective and a, and a kind of a disconnect with 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 reality in their own role in the creation of all of this. And I yeah, just want to say, Ian has talked about this so oh God, much absolutely. over the, like, how many times have we had to have this conversation yeah. about shit like this that happens? And Ian, every single time you say, these young men need to be put in, like, they do social media training. They do training on how to not tweet something stupid. They they train to skate and they train to do all this stuff. And they're not taught how to just, like, not like just I don't even know the right word. They're not taught to yeah. not do shit like this. And you've said before, Ian, like they need in those seminars and in those like preseason things, there should be something where somebody comes in about diversity, inclusion. Like they need that that stuff needs to start at the grassroots level because there's just something missing with and it's not all of them. I know that. Don't yell at me. Not every person who plays hockey is doing this. 
but we are talking about a very bad situation. And Ian, like they basically are saying they're going to do the thing that you've been talking about every single time for, we've done this podcast for over two years now. This, what, where is it? The, um, enhancing training for players, coaches to include a focus on masculinity, consent, and toxic behaviors. Ian, you've been saying that, but I, I also just think the fact that they need to have like a lesson plan on how, on consent it's just wild to me. It's yeah. wild. <laughs> Let's teach everyone what consent means. Like, holy shit. The, these guys <laughs> are coming in and we got to get to these young men earlier than 16, <laughs> 17, 18. We got to get to them when they're 12 and 13. And, you know, it's, you know, I, I also wonder what the two of you think, like, what's the role of the media and, and how much blame do we take as media? For enabling this culture of silence. Let's be honest here. Uh, in the in the sport of hockey, there have been two reporters, Rick Westhead mm-hmm. and Katie Strang, who have knocked down the doors and tried to use their flashlight to shine a light on this. Yep. And, and the rest of us kind of sit back and we're like, well, that's a Rick Westhead story. That's a Katie Strang story. I think it's a story for all of us. And I think, yeah. I think it's a story specifically for NHL insiders. I don't th- I, like I'm all of like, us. I, yeah. Yeah. But 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 also the people who are tapped into the league and hockey Canada at the highest levels, which like can could I have could I have done more over the last couple of years with this? Like, absolutely. Like everybody, everybody needs to take a part. But if you were talking specifically about rooting out bad actors in reporting and doing Rick Westhead and Katie Strang caliber stuff. That should be a lot easier for all the people who are who are tight with folks at Hockey Canada and tight with GMs and tight with power brokers in the league. And guess what? That ain't me. So like I'll I'll take whatever I like. I, I totally agree. Everybody needs to play their part. Yeah. But as a citizen, what not just a media person, what gets me mad is is uh is is that it is just Rick and Katie when we know for they can't sure. be the only ones who've ever heard ha- of this before. Uh-huh. No, like right. you and and look, I I'm not trying to like name any names specifically, right? But like there's a there's a lot of people that are very very tapped in who have not said word A about any of this stuff. And it shouldn't fall on and it shouldn't fall on Katie and it shouldn't fall on Rick and it shouldn't fall on, on anybody in particular. But like when you have when you have all the connections and you're not using them to hold people accountable like those are the questions that I'm asking, and, and yeah. yeah, some of it needs to be in, in inward, inward, inward facing, right? Where we need to ask ourselves what we can do individually. But there is there's a level of anger on my part, at least when you when when you look at when you look at the at the fact that it really is at the highest level, it's only two people who who are doing the groundwork, and we know for sure that Rick and Katie aren't the only people with. With the Rolodex and the in the in the in the ability to 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 get these people to talk, that is a guarantee. Well, I think it's not the Rolodex though. It's it's the it's asking the right questions, right? Mm-hmm. You can have all the same contacts, but if you're not poking around on that kind of stuff, you're not going to uncover it. And I think that's a big part of it is asking the right questions and holding people accountable. Like, look, like I. I cover women's hockey at the international level. That is a Hockey Canada thing. I've n- I'd never heard this before. I n- I've never covered World Juniors before. I don't cover the men's side for Hockey Canada. But at the same time, for me, I look at this and go like, Jesus, like all the people I talk to, 
Like, am I, what am I doing wrong? Am I not asking the right questions? Am I not poking in the right spots? I, I just think that it's, it's so easy even for me to sit back and say like Katie Strang does it again. Like she's so amazing, but Katie Strang didn't become Katie Strang by like ignoring and turning a blind eye to stuff that's difficult and hard and might make go. people hate her. You know, that's a thing I think a lot of people in this industry combat is, you know, and it's even on like the smaller level of like a, I know the X player is signing here. Oh, well, I know this is going to happen, but I'm not going to say that this is going to happen because I don't want to piss off why. Like, and I think so much of this sport becomes so transactional of like, well, if I keep this secret, what am I going to get? And and that's on a smaller scale. That's on the the like signings and trade scale. I just, I think that again, like Katie didn't become Katie. Rick didn't become Rick by being afraid of pissing off people in power. They want to hold people in power accountable. But I think we need to also rip on a little bit on the league and um, the executives. Like, think about there's a great foot, a piece of footage. Rick Westhead goes after Gary Bettman about concussions, and Bettman just sh- shoots him down like as if he's like this, you know, one of those, um, you know, gotcha reporters. Katie Strang will tell you that when she shows up sometimes to NHL events, uh, people will scatter from her because it's like oh, she's like a bowling literally bowling ball. I've seen that coming down and literally alley. literally watch it happen in Montreal. I, I was yeah. we, we were we were walking somewhere. It was like the, and, it was the Red Seas parted. And so ask yourself that. Ask why yourself why are they so afraid? Why are you so afraid of Katie Strang? Why are you so afraid of Rick Westhead? And the answer is. <clears throat> Because you probably know that they're yeah. coming after, and but but they're painted as the bad people in our industry, like in the hockey world. The bad Rick people Westhead are the ones they're investigating, and Katie Strang will never put it. Let me put it this way: they will never get into the Hockey Hall of Fame as reporters, and yet they <laughs> should be at the top of the list. Like think about like, Rick Westhead yeah. should be inducted right now for what he's done in the last twelve months in this sport. Think right about now. think about in. the Blackhawks presser, which we which we exactly. are all we are all on. They thought that they could get away. Bettman and Bill Daly thought they could get away with not letting Rick ask a question. Like the the level and LeBron's of, like, "Hey, uh, Rick yeah, Westhead's had his hand up for a while." To, credit to Pierre being like, <laughs> "All right, uh, he, he spoke up on 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 Rick's behalf." Holy hell! Yeah, and you know what? And <sighs> again, we did this last summer. Mark Lazarus and Scott Powers did not shy away from really important work. It would have been very easy for them to say, "Well, I've got to go in that room and and, and talk to them about the power play tomorrow." So I don't want to. I don't want to put the feet to the fire because I've got to go in there. They they didn't do that. They worked with Katie on this. They pushed the story forward. They weren't the ones that broke it open, but they were a part of it once it came up, came up. And I think that's. That's that's not easy to do based on what we've seen in this sport. Not a lot of people will do that. They'll leave it to Katie because she's mm-hmm. national I, and she the, can take it on the teeth. And they're exactly. like, screw it. I'm going to do this too. This is important. And I think that took a lot. I think that was a real that 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 was something that I think w- really impressed me with with Laz and, and Scotty. They they did not shy away from this, even though they need to be there every day. And Ian, I, I have a lot, I have a lot of respect for you because as you've stepped in in the last whether it's the the Melnick yeah. r- report I, I I mean we know that that was a long time coming but the 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 story that you and Robson and Katie did last last week like one mm-hmm. one night one night in London like I have a lot of respect for you for stepping up and becoming a voice you know in in a in a in a force in in that in that space I think the problem here and this goes for any of us this goes for the three of us this goes for any media person that's you know that's that's in the game, really. 
you run the risk of looking at people like Katie and Rick and saying like, nope, they're good. They got it handled. Like, we don't have to worry. Like, that's their that's their lane. We can stay in our lane. Any sort of misconduct, culture, toxicity thing, like that's their beat. They can handle that. Thank you so much for, for doing the dirty work for all of us. Like, we're all lucky to have Katie and Rick. And that is not the right way to approach this. Like, it, it needs to be a holistic, top-down thing where anybody, whether it's whether it's me doing the, the power rankings in podcasts every week or lo- or or local beat reporters or the top tip top tippity top of the industry, like everybody needs to do their part. It cannot just fall on Katie Strang and, and Rick Westhead in this small group of people who are dedicated to rooting the shit out. It needs to come from everybody. And it needs to start at the top and go all the way down to people who are covering junior hockey in in the in the, in the minor leagues and whatever else like it, it needs to go all the way down it can't just be those two people and for as good as they are you know that, that's not it's not it, it is such a deep-rooted thing that it's not possible for katie and rick to handle every act of malfeasance and, and misconduct mm-hmm. that happens across this entire sport it's a yeah. it's a it's a cultural change and it's got to continue happening and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, so Ian had to run. Um, we've been talking for a while. I think we covered Matthew Kachuk and Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger. I, I don't think you have anything else to say about that. I think it's a win now. We'll see how it ends up being. We're good did, did on that. We, we got to get like a final count of the number of words that have been written about Matthew, about whatever. Matthew well, Kachuk, I know I've done the trade a, <laughs> a ton. We had, um, we had, how long is that thing we wrote that was supposed to run on Saturday? We had a whole thing. Another was, 3, 000, like a 3,500 word story that we were supposed to have out. 3,500 yeah. words with like all these different scenarios that was supposed to run on Saturday at six in the morning or whatever. Uh-huh. So thanks. And thanks. then it got thrown in the trash at 11 PM on Friday. It's the biz, so. bro. But you know what? Actually, let's. So part of that story was, um, uh, we were evaluating trade scenarios that we got on Twitter. And uh, Sean and I should discuss our favorite one. My favorite one was (laughs) 
What was it? It was, was Marco it? Rossi, a first round pick, uh, yeah. and Ryan Suter's dead cap. It was Suter, I believe it was Suter and Prezi. No, dead it cap. was Suter slash Prezi. So like one or the other, okay. I think. All right. So, so for the one I just said, you know, let's just take one, and it was Suter who was owed six at and least a half a like year thirteen or a over year. like thirteen point yeah. six million in uh, <laughs> dead cap money over the next two years at least. And then there's some uh, on the back end too. Like the, the next two years are the big ones. I think he's at like there's six, a six, a seven, right? a seven, and then eight hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand. And 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 like the cost of giving that dead cap to somebody would be like a first round pick in Marco Rossi because of how much that is. Yeah, but not like- the return for Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> and I thought the funniest part was just like. Imagine the conversation with Bill Guerin being like, yeah, okay, uh, we'll take the dead cat, but like throw in Matt Boldy too, who is like their great young right. prospect. And you could just and, know yeah, that Bill Guerin great- would be like, Bill Guerin would just like swear at, swear at you and, oh, and hang up the phone. I've seen it happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, shit how, to do. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but like how, I mean, we're making fun of that, we're making fun of it's, it's right. <laughs> It's Ross. I'm not making fun of that. Ross no. is a good player. It's just the dead cat that makes. No, me I am. I am making fun of it because <laughs> oh because that's just that's a goofball deal that came from somebody on Twitter who's a wild fan and just wanted to land Matthew Kachuk on their team. So that's fine. It's understandable. Is that deal better <laughs> than the actual <laughs> deal that St. Louis came up with? Because it was Terrace. It's Tarasenko. It's Marco Scandella. Who's who is. Cap dump. Pure cap dump for two more seasons. And then a lottery protected pick. I think if I were the Flames, I would have rather had Marco Rossi in in the in the suitor cap dump. Right? That's better. At least Bill, you why didn't you make the call? <laughs> you, who knows? It might have happened. Oh my god, yeah. The other the other the other funny thing. Tarasenko's good. I just I know there were some blues fans who were like mad at me for saying this deal is sucks. Like, okay, I mean it does. Like and that's what I said before. Like if it was just Mackenzie Weger and a pick, like that deal would suck. Because it's one guy for one year and a pick. Tarasenko's been on the trade block for a year. You could have gotten him for a scratch off ticket last year. Like Yeah, but then he had a really good season. He probably rescinded that. Trade doesn't matter. He's, he's a he's a. Ugh. I know. Um, all right. Anyways, anyways, we've talked. Anyways, how about this? Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Shut up. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I have a very, I have a very professional segue coming into the uh, what we <laughs> originally planned on talking about in this segment. So we t- okay. So we talked about. A story of ours that was scrapped for Saturday morning. Another story that was scrapped for Saturday morning because of the Matthew Kachuk trade is our staff predictions for the 2022-23 season where everybody voted on the cup and the heart winners and the dark horse and teams that are going to take a step back. We had to redo it because so many of the votes were contingent on Calgar getting getting rinsed in the Kachuk trade. So that changed the calculus for for a bunch of stuff. So this story is now running on Monday, Monday morning. And uh, this is what we're going to talk about now. 
I feel right? like you didn't have to right? shush me to get to that point. I was going to say that. That's why I'm I said gonna, anyways. If there were some say anyways, let's talk about our predictions. And you told unplug, me to shut I'm up. I'm unplug your microphone. In if front there were, of thousands uh, yeah. of people. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, okay, it's so fine. the abs, anyway, the abs, okay, the abs are the winner. The abs are our staff. Okay, but I want to talk about that. Do we? Yeah. Do you think that Colorado is is the shoe in to win again? Like I know, like they might lose Kadri. Like, what do they? Is Georgiev, you know, <laughs> better than Kemper? I I don't no. see them taking oh, no, a no, step no. back. Cer- certainly not. But I'm just certainly wondering, not. you know, are are the are the Avs going to be maybe a little bit more vulnerable than they were last year? They don't have a lot of money. They signed Nachushkin, who was a great player. They lost um, Burkowski. Right. They still have McKinnon, Landeskog, and Kale McCarr, um, but their goaltending's different. Um, Devon Taves is still there. I just, I just wonder um, if the Avs. I think they're still the front runner, but I do wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a not even. I would. I don't even want to call it a step back. I just wonder if they're less dominant than they were this year. I think there the teams is, can be different. Yeah, there's clearly a desire, even if you just look at our vote breakdown, because this is whatever, 50 people or however many voted on it, 60. I forgot to vote on it, so don't. Didn't need I, to, I had nothing to do with didn't, this. Did, didn't need to say that here. It's fine. <laughs> uh, the, abs, the abs won with 38.6% of the, of the vote. I think that sounds about right. The, the surprising part of that for me is that Carolina is number two. And they are at 31.8%. The drop from them to third yeah. place, which is Florida, it goes from 32 to 7%. That is, the wild, that is the wild part. That is really funny. Yeah, right. That is the wild part to me because people clearly, and I think this is more, I think this has less to do with whatever, with actual predictions and, and, and what ends up happening than it does with, as almost like a behavioral exercise with the people who have to, who have to predict stuff like this. Because I think a lot of us were like, okay, I can't. I don't think you can pick the abs to to repeat just because it's tough to do and it doesn't, you know, whatever. Right. And the beneficiary of that, because the West is so ended weak, up being Carolina. The bit that you're like, all right, who can they? Who are they going to play in the in the Cup final? Who is who is the best team in Eastern Conference? Who is a team that that made that got a lot better over the last month? Oh, Carolina. So the end result you, is you have you have thirty two percent of of the yeah. staff picking them to win to win the cup. It's crazy. And I think it's interesting too because like they are a team who's been knocking on the door, and part of their problem in the postseason this year and even last year has just been like their goal scoring drying up when they need it the most. I think Max Pacioretty went healthy. You know he's a prime not mm-hmm. like a prime time goal scorer that should help. I think their top six looks really strong. The one question I have for you, and, and obviously we're going in a couple different directions here now, but is Brent Burns at his age in the mileage an upgrade on Tony D'Angelo? Yes. Why? I'm not saying I'm like I don't I'm, I'm I don't have an opinion. I'm asking. I think it's interesting. The offensive production production is pretty is is on par, and he's a much better defensive player at this point in his career. He's Maybe bigger. that might he's big and he's bigger. He's he's good. He's good in front. Yeah, I know. We say that that's like a hockey man thing, but like a big body on the blue line Guess to like box out and block shots is huge. Guess when that, that does that count in December or February? Like maybe not so much. I'll tell you when it Playoffs? does count. Yep, 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 yep. 
You're, so and it, so Brent he, Burns so, has so he's better experience going deep in the postseason. It Burns too, and he's a he's a workout freak. Like I think I can't remember if it was Saad or Shapiro. One of the one of the Dallas you know kind of centric guys wrote about about or no, it was Corey. It was actually Corey Mazasek. Corey wrote about him with with uh, with the Sharks, like his workout regimen and just what a, what a maniac he is. So yeah, Burns is thirty seven or ho- or however old he is now, but I don't know. I'd, I'd bet on him. I bet on him uh, getting more bang for your buck than Tony D- than Tony D'Angelo. I think he's an upgrade, and then you throw in what they got for D'Angelo in that Flyers trade. It's a total total no brainer. Yeah, I think I'm kind of interested in this. Like, if you look at some of the best defensemen, like the best D additions or status quo, is it not Chris Letang and Brent Burns this summer? Like. The Penguins mm-hmm. retaining Chris Letang and the Canes trading for Brent Burns were those two of the best blue yeah. line moves this season. Like, I think it's really interesting that it's a 36 and 37 year old that people are maybe not acknowledging are still incredibly totally. good defensemen. Well, because like who who even who's the competition? One's one's John Klingberg, who you know who knows who knows where he is right now. Yeah, in in Jeff Petrie, like those are those are the two guys who were who started. The off season on top of the list of, you know, potentially available, available demon, right? Or I guess I guess you have to throw Latang in there because he was he was on the he was on the verge of, of, of hitting the market. But no, those yeah. guys are those guys are hands down. I don't care that they're yeah. thirty five and thirty six and thirty seven yeah. or, or however old they are. I'll, I'll take it, them. I'll take them a hundred times. What what yep. what's even the alternative? Well, for the Penguins, the alter- losing <laughs> losing Chris Latang, like take out the fact that he's a franchise icon losing Chris Letang would have made their blue line worse. There's not a lot of player there's not a lot of pieces you could, you know, upgrade Chris Letang with. Anyways. I'm, I'm just glad you said that so I didn't have to say it again for the yeah. five hundred. No, I've I one of the things that I like bang on the table about is like prime Chris Letang should have had at least one Norris trophy. And he's someone who should still be on ballots now. He's very, very good still. It doesn't matter how old he is. He's another workout maniac. You're preaching to the choir. Yes. Um, I've been driving the Chris Tang <laughs> bus for many, many years now. Yeah. I'm that little, I'm that, that, that kid who just wants to talk to the bus driver who sits like <laughs> right behind, even though no one ever sits there. <laughs> hey, how's your day? Um, anyways. Many, wait a second. That's always, that's always the kid that doesn't have any friends. Wait a second. <laughs> hey. Wait a second. I wasn't going to say that. That's mean. Because um, I think I sat there sometimes. <laughs> um, anyways, let's move through. I don't really care about the runner-up. Um, the dark horses are interesting. Everyone's back on the Vegas bandwagon somehow. Like, I don't know how the Vegas Golden Knights are a dark horse. Okay, so I think – hold on. Hold on. I, I think the phrasing here is what – A team that missed the playoffs and could be a real contender. It almost has to be Vegas. I didn't want to vote. I didn't want to vote for him. <laughs> I don't even – you know what? I don't even want – I don't want to talk about it. Vegas drop-off. Minnesota Wild. This is this is sends this is sends disrespect from you. That's why. No, I just don't want to Uh talk about the Wild. Sends are interesting. I think the center and Ian and I have spoken about this. The Ottawa top six on paper looks very good. I'm curious about what's going to happen in net Forsberg and in Talbot. I think Talbot's been brought in to like insulate Forsberg. They can have like a one A one B split. Whatever DJ Smith decides. I still think they they need to find a proper D partner for Thomas Shabbat. (laughs) Like sure, it could be Zub. Like every fans love Artem Zub, and he's fine. But like, the Sens need to fix that blue line. 
Like you've got to build from the back end out. Their top six looks great, but that blue line still needs some work. Um, but I'm really curious to see what they end up looking like and what the combos end up being if it's Stutzla and Giroux and Debrinket, and then you have, you know, Kachuk and Batherson and Norris, or you have Giroux with with Kachuk and Norris. Like I don't know how they're gonna end up mixing those lines, but I think that that top six looks Looks pretty solid. I'm, I'm really curious to see how the Sens end up looking. The Red just, Wings got some love just, here too. They're just gonna they're just gonna wait for Mackenzie Weger to hit the to hit the market. And <sighs> that'll be that'll be that. Ottawa. I was Mackenzie dodging Weger. dodging Chris Letang trade proposals <laughs> from Sens fans all weekend. When everyone's like, "Well, this, the Flames are gonna blow it up. So what do you want for Chris Tanev?" I was like, "Nothing." <laughs> wait. So you were dodging you were dodging Chris Tanev trade yes trade Chris proposals. Tanev trade you proposals. Said, you said Chris Letang. That'd be oh. fun. Chris Letang on the on, Chris on the in Calgary? Oh, in Ottawa? Wherever. Um, biggest drop off. Um, even though we went back and changed it, Calgary's still <laughs> up there. But Minnesota's number one. I think everyone's just looking for a team to move down in the West. I think that's again, I, I don't look at this as being I don't know like, why people aren't looking at Boston more. Yeah. I think that I think the way it works the way it works on this one is you have the top so you have Minnesota getting twenty percent you have Calgary getting almost seventeen percent you have thirty seven of the votes split between uh, two Western Conference teams I think people are saying like all right Vegas has to make it because whether regardless of how you know funky things have gotten there Vegas has to make it so who falls out and you start right. like backfilling there and saying well the wild the wild had to took a hit because of the because of the Suter and Parisi buyouts and blah blah flames mm-hmm. you know even though they even though they did well to replace those guys they're still still shorted still short one johnny gaudreau um so i think that's more what that is people are just right people people have internalized the idea that vegas is going to be back in the playoffs and need to find a way to yeah. justify it all right last one that we should talk about before we sign off because my computer's dying <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we've been talking for a while first coach fired Mm. I would love to speak to the person who voted for Mike Sullivan. We need to find out who that is. Who? Whomst? <laughs> Whomst among us? I know who, who it did it. that. It wasn't. It wasn't me. Really? Like what? Like just because? Uh, I don't even know. I would love to talk to someone who was just like ah, penguins. Fenway Fenway Sports Group loves Mike Sullivan. Can you can you believe it? Can you believe that the Fenway Sports group loves the most boston dude to ever exist i mean he's also a good coach eh. and and you, and I, <laughs> I think dj smith is up here so Lin, lindy ruff got 31.8 percent. dave hackstall got 18.2 lindy ruff lindy ruff is the layup vote here because oh, that's the like uh if they don't turn the corner early like maybe they'll blame the coach um sheldon well, but Keefe, also but also but also in andrew brunette like he, he hears the footsteps because they they clearly oh. hired the guy who you want to talk about Mike Sullivan? That's like when Jim Rutherford hired Mike Sullivan to coach the AHL team, right? Uh, whenever, whenever Mike Johnson, Mike Johnston was, was, was like, was around. Yeah, that was it. Like you <laughs> yeah. might as well just, you might as well just fired him then. That's that was the like Jeremy, Jeremy. Hmm. Um. <laughs> Keep going. You'll find it. <laughs> I almost said Jeremy Rutherford. <laughs> Jim Rutherford. Yeah, Jeremy. Did you guys know this? <laughs> L- listeners, listeners aren't aware of this. Jeremy oh, so- Rutherford is Jim Rutherford's son, and <laughs> yeah. Beavis and Beavis's butthead's dad. Those, those it's, are canon. It's my vacation. I'm very tired. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, what do you think? Anyway, whatever. No, no, no. I wanted no, to. Hey, t- hey, 
No, I was this getting is a to serious, something. This is a serious <laughs> question. Serious question. What do you think of DJ Smith at 11.4? That's what I was trying to get to. That's why I was trying to run down the list to get to DJ Smith. I think that it's unfair, personally, to say that DJ Smith has the hot seat. What coach could have done well with the Ottawa Senators over the last three years? Not DJ Who? Smith. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think that it put – I think – I think Pierre Dorian going at the start of the season last year saying the rebuild's over made everyone's expectation for yep. the team way higher than it 100%. should have been. And DJ Smith was never going to match that. Never. Not with that blue line. Look That's at who the Sens started the season with and Matt Murray, who couldn't play more than five games in a row. Well, he I had that people, one pocket in the season where he was a 940 goalie, and then everything else was a disaster. Brady Kachuk missed the start of the season. Um, Shane Pinto got hurt. Josh Norris got hurt. Um, Drake Batherson got concussed by Aaron Dell, and he didn't get suspended for long enough for that. The Sens last year were a shit show. Uh-huh. And then they had the COVID. The Sens got hit by COVID probably COVID. worse than any team did before the NHL started shutting it down. Who, what coach was going to do that? It's unfair to expect DJ Smith to do some Mike Sullivan type shit yeah. to keep the team competitive without Sidney Crosby, but because Mike Sullivan has Jake Gensel and Brian Rust and all these guys they can plug and play the lineup. DJ Smith had Michael Delzato, you know, like <laughs> look at what he had. I think it's unfair. I think he took it on the teeth, and I think that he was set up poorly for that. And I think that. That I think that's a shame. I'm I covered the Sens for a couple years. DJ is a defense first coach. Um, sure, there's some players that the team has brought in or signed probably because of his preferences that did not work out. Like the big defensemen, um, like Erica Branson didn't work out great. Um, you know who who else who they have last year that wasn't great. I don't even remember. But I just I don't think that it's DJ Smith's fault that the team didn't turn the corner sooner. I think that Pierre Dorian finally made the moves to make them competitive. And now we will see what they can do with DJ. And he might not be the coach. He might not be it. But I think it's unfair to say that if the Sens aren't like second in the division by November, that he should be fired. I think you get this is the year where you see what DJ Smith can do behind the bench. Totally agree. Totally agree. He's, He's just, he's there because we're following the what kind of coach gets fired handbook or playbook, right? You're like, Mm -hmm. all right. Devil's expectations up, Sen's expectations up. Yeah, we'll go with those guys. Uh, Seattle sucked out loud last year. Sure, Dave Hacksaw should get a lot of votes, and Sheldon Keefe is the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So there's always, even though that's totally like, I don't think there's a lot of next level thought that goes into it. Like people aren't no, saying, and like, I don't, I don't like, st- I don't like calling for people's heads either. It makes me feel uncomfortable. We'll just we'll, we'll wrap up the rest here. Owen Power, runaway Calder winner. Igor Shesterkin, runaway Vesna winner, because nobody knows how goaltending works. It's fine. <laughs> Kale McCarr, 73% of the vote, says that he's going to win another another, another uh, Norris. And 75% Sam Connor McDavid wins the heart. Also, everybody thinks that Patrick Kane and JT Miller and Vladimir Tarasenko are going to get traded. Okay, Kane is interesting, and I, I know we don't have a ton of time, but I, I think it'll be really interesting to see if he does end up getting traded. Because the problem with trading Patrick Kane is, like, why would he want to get traded to another rebuilding team? Like, he may as well just stay in Chicago. So how are you going to find a team that can contend who has the money to take on 50% of Patrick Kane? I mean, $5 million is easy to fit in than 10 and the Blackhawks will need to retain salary. But 
I'm really curious. Everyone keeps doing the cane to Buffalo thing, but is now really the time to go home to Buffalo? No, it's probably not going to so, happen. Pat- Patrick Kane really likes Chicago, and he really likes living in Chicago. And I, well, I that's what I, I mean. Like, I don't, if, think, I don't think he's in any, any, any rush. Like, I think split. he would rather just, if he's going to be on a rebuilding team, may as well just stay in Chicago mm-hmm. where you've played your whole career. Um, anyways, interesting. The West playoff field's interesting. I Somebody has the Kings being better than the Flames next season. Same with the Predators, which I think is kind of funny. I, There's a bunch of... <laughs> we don't we don't need, we don't need to go through all the all, no. all the stuff. There's a bunch of we get pretty granular and there's write ups from me and, and Shana and, and Jesse Granger in, in there. So if that interests you, that's on that's on the site. Like a lot of other stuff. We are about to enter the deep dark heart of the NHL offseason here. Like there's not gonna be a lot going on for the next The Flames the have been month. keeping us afloat, which is why we've talked Thank about you. the Flames so much Thank this you, summer. Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> I'm not sure what yeah. I would have done for the last couple weeks without you, buddy. I mean, I would have just taken my vacation sooner, but that's just me. Anyways. Good good on you for being able to take a vacation. Some, yeah. some of us haven't booked PTO yet. I mean, you should do that. It's July 25th. Okay. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, I don't know what Ian usually says at this point. <laughs> Subscribe everywhere you listen on <laughs> on. on, uh, on <laughs> wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify. Apple Podcasts. Listen to the rest of the shows in the week except for Tuesday because me and Cousins are not doing another show for a while. Yeah, they're, they get an off-season, but Ian and Down Goes Brown, Sean McAtoo will be back. The Wednesday Roundtable, I think, has a show. Yeah. Theathletic.com slash hockey everyone. show. So subscribe if you don't. Thanks. Enjoy your week. <laughs>Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.